show is F is for Film. And of course, you know, our guest is Alfie Dale. Hi. Yes. Welcome. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you very much, Steve. Well, you know, I, I was really, you know, taken with the gorgeousness of the cinematography, the, the world that you explore here so sensitively and what depth you were able to achieve in this in this film but i want to start you know by asking a bit about you and how you began as a filmmaker it's always interesting to start there and then to put the rest of it in context yeah absolutely well you know it was an interesting route in so i think that where do i begin really i think i wish i had a great story about how i was motivated from a really young age and knew exactly what i wanted to do and exactly what i wanted to be and what films i wanted to make but that's just not the truth with how it came about for me okay i'm done we're done we're done we're done we're done with this interview. <laughs> get, off, get off the camera yeah <laughs> so i uh, <laughs> i think i think but that's why i kind of like to be honest about this, this story you know my background with it so i think i i sort of always loved film i always wanted to work and i sort of studied something vaguely similar to that at university you know i did media and i made some short films there I don't really think I knew what my voice was or how to tell a story or how to have the confidence or belief that I could tell a, a good story, you know. And it wasn't really until I was sort of, kind of towards my mid-twenties, I started to collaborate with some other people. Strangely enough, we, we met working at a cinema. We just loved films. So that's where we all worked. And it turns out everyone who worked there was super, you know, into film and uh, creative and wanted to, wanted to make their own material. And so I got into script writing with uh, with my friends called uh, Samira Stewart, who's now quite she's got up, right, up, going up the ranks in, in terms of writing in in the UK. And uh, you know, we started out basically we jumped in the deep end and we we decided right let's write a feature, so let's get straight to it, let's you know not faff around. So we had super ambition, you know. Um, I'd say almost delusion in terms of what we thought we could achieve, you know. But I think that that that. that that sense of belief that uttered that sort of delusion in a way was what gave us so much energy and enthusiasm and passion to keep going and even though it was kind of misplaced in a way we were like we're going to take over the world and make these amazing things as, as soon as we can and you know actually that's of course that's not how it works but we did end up practicing a lot of script writing and we actually wrote some quite good scripts and uh, eventually at least and um we uh, we got into so we wrote a biopic of Vivian Lee which was you know a crazy ambitious thing and it's anyway, after a lot of writing, a lot of, you know, a lot of it, a uh, few years, it got noticed and it got attention. And she, Samira is the main writer, got picked up and she kind of had a career, begins to flourish. And then me and her were sort of close collaborators. So we decided, right, what can we do next? What can we, how can we make something ourselves beyond the scripts? And so we decided to, to make a short film. And so we, she's from the New Forest in South of England. And we decided to make a short film set there about the Romany gypsy community in the area. Because it's a really fascinating story about how they were sort of in the 1920s put into compounds, basically, having had freedom to roam throughout the throughout the forest, suddenly they were forced to stay in these closed communities. And it was quite a damaging experience for the community. And it was a story that I'd never heard of and is not widely talked about in British history. And, you know, we thought it was something that was important to, to, to tell. And so we went about making that film and it was, it was a huge undertaking. It was, you know, a half hour drama, period drama set in the 1920s, you know, filming on a, on a, in a forest with 50 extras and fires and children and llamas, like all this mad stuff, just complete madness going on. And it was really ambitious. And uh, it was a baptism of fire, I'll tell you that. And, you know, it got into a few small festivals in the end. And, but really, Really, it taught me everything. It like really was a real learning curve about what, about how to, what to do, and also what not to do. You know, we we got the chance to make mistakes on that film, and you know, I'm quite proud of how it turned out. But that really was my big, my big learning curve. You said a couple of things here. You know, one of the things that I think 
we all share in common when we start off in the in the world of film and is you know wanting to take over the world yeah yeah and and having that kind of grand ambitious and as you said self-delusional thinking and then it matures yeah. into something that has to, you know if you're going to sustain a lifetime you don't have to rush you don't have to push and then of course the second thing you mentioned was the baptism by fire and literally how we make mistakes and mistakes become the education so i think exactly. this is yeah. important to point these things out that there are no real mistakes unless you stop. Absolutely. I think that's that's the key thing is the mistakes are the learning. You know, you have to have the chance to get things wrong. And, you know, we did get things wrong, but we also got a lot of things right as well. Do you know what I mean? It's about picking the, the things you did well and remembering them and, and redoing them, basically. And, and also, yeah, learning where the mistakes are and uh, adjusting accordingly as you go forwards. But certainly, yeah, I reckon having a, a big ambition yeah, borderline delusional is is really helpful. <laughs> it's it gives you the because... for 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 the entertainment <laughs> business. Thank you yeah, very exactly, much. Yeah, yeah. So <laughs> let's just you know accept that about ourselves and 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 make it work. Well, absolutely. But also, then you then you adjust and you realize how it really works, and you yes you grip. And that's the important thing is you don't you don't stay in the headspace. You you go right, okay. So it's not working that way. But as I say, I think that if you some I kind of almost think if we knew when we began, like how hard it would be that might put us off and it's about it's it's important to, to believe you can do it because that's you know that that's what generates the energy to do it you know yeah. something to, to do something so hard and once in a, and once in a while somebody does hit it right out of the park yeah day one yeah and of they course they do yeah and those, those yeah. are the stories you cling on to the damien chazelle's yes. and you know yeah <laughs> yeah and, he, and even then and even then i guarantee you there's a backstory of course there right? is you yeah know, yeah you know, the press yeah. is very good at selling that in hollywood hollywood's yeah. done a very good job of selling that that idea to the world yeah yeah you get you get to sundance and phew, you go flying yeah. yeah that's like yeah yeah but but I, I also think it's really important to tell the honest stories this is why i'm quite like straightforward about the fact we were Good. I was a mess when I started out, and I, I like that because I like I like hearing those stories too. I like hearing about how you know you had it all wrong, and that's what led you to start to get it right at some point, I guess. Yeah, no, we're 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 past the cleaned up pretty version. We know that we're we're talking to filmmakers here. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and they, exactly. They're going to smell. They're going to call BS when they hear it anyway. So <laughs> yeah, yeah, it exactly. Yeah. yeah. So where in your in your journey towards my brothers and mermaids does this leave us? So yeah, so that was my first big short, that one, and then I think after that I came away. And thought, right, where do I, where do I go from here? You know, because once you finish your projects, which is almost where I am now with Mermaid, actually, you're like, okay, so this big thing has happened that's taken over my life for however long. Now I've kind of, it's, it's, it's done now, and I need to find something new. And so I think I just started to live. I just started to. Where, where, where did it come from? It came from. Uh, well, the I, I knew that I needed to make a new film, but I also didn't. I wanted to make something that was a bit more directly personal in some way. And obviously, there are a lot elements of Mermaid which isn't directly personal. But the fundamental thing was the relationship between the siblings, and that's basically a reflection of my relationship with my younger brother growing up. And that was the relationship I wanted to explore in some way. It's to do with just how you, when you've got a, a sibling who's quite a lot younger, particularly in a single parent family, you kind of have a semi-parental role. And so you, you, and the older one always feels a sort of, it seems like they have a bigger response, a big responsibility towards the younger one. And the younger one sort of looks up adoringly because you're, you know, sort of part child yourself, but also adult and, you know, has this sort of idolized idea of you. But then also for the older one, it's, it sort of turns out that the fact they think of you like that is quite a rock in your life. It's quite a sort of whatever you mess you go through as a teenager in one way or another. It's a big, it's a big responsibility. It's a big responsibility, but also it's a big support. It's like a real support mechanism. You so you know that you've got that sort of person who 
is you know backing you whatever the situation is in your life and that, that so I think I don't want to explore that I mean my brother are you know really tight as adults still now and you know it's uh he, he loves the fact that this is vaguely based on our our relationship in, in some way. I think it's it's wonderful. And there's something so authentic about that sibling relationship that you've achieved here. But let's back up a little bit. Talk to us a little bit about what this film is about. With no spoilers, please. <laughs> With no spoilers. That's the trick of it. So what's this one about? So this film is about, it's about, well, ultimately, it's about a, a young boy sort of coming to understand his older sibling as transgender and doing that through the sort of magical eye of a child and interpreting things with a sort of fairy tale element to it all. And so it's really about sort of how they, their relationship kind of, or his, his the way the younger brother views the older one and sort of comes to understand him, the, the, the way the younger one comes to understand the older one in such a sort of positive light gives the old one the ability to sort of be themselves more and, and sort of come out, I guess, as trans more comfortably and finds confidence and belief in themselves. And yeah, so it's about that relationship balance overall, specifically in a, in, with, with a transgender sort of narrative going on. Yeah, and I thought, you know, I thought the, the idea of seeing this all through the eyes of a young child was so, gave it so much magic and so much beauty. And, you know, even the painful things were interpreted in a way that only a young person, very young person, could see them and the and the emotions are so raw and so beautiful thank you so talk about the title <laughs> a little bit and there's an inspira- you know the inspiration for this title <laughs> and how that plays out in the film sure i mean in some ways the title was almost the came at the same time as the idea i think i think i literally had the idea and that was the title and it was almost like is this a naff title maybe it is if it isn't you know tacky or whatever i'll decide that <laughs> later but right now this sums it all up it's about <laughs> a young a young boy going my brother's not late <laughs> you know and like that's it and yeah but it is like, you could simplify you could simply say that yeah it's as simple as that really that's yeah that's what that was about but, but the reasons for it and 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 the interpretation of it all is so amazing so basically so the way so the way the idea came about i'll tell you about that there's a few different elements to say there's there's a relationship with my brother then very specifically something that happened was i was traveling in madagascar and I met these two surfer brothers, basically, and went on a uh, surf trip with them. They, they were sort of guides. And we went out for a, it's a very, very remote part of the country. And we went out for a drink after and had a chat and sort of hanging out. And I made a joke in passing about mermaids in the area. I was like, oh, there are mermaids around here. And uh, one of them then said, oh, so mermaids are real then. And I, you know, I just thought that was like a great moment. I don't know, there's something really lovely about that, really sweet. And I think that was obviously quite a, stark trigger point particularly because there was these two brothers who were both surfers and you know it's sort of i don't know it was it was really i really liked the whole thing so that was kind of the inception in a way of the of the idea and then yeah in terms of the sort of trans storyline is that something i should talk about now or is that something we'll come to yes please it was a really interesting one because i think i've been reading a lot about gender and gender identity for a, a few years prior to, to to coming up with the idea so it was just some it was just a lot of that information and that those thought processes were in my head at the time and i think that what i found the reason i wanted to turn that into the film i guess or turn that towards the film was uh, i found that for me you know with a lot of media about trans people and and the trans experience sort of coming out at that time you know what i mean in sort of 2014 there's a lot more a lot of profile around around that and i think it was a real turning point in my life just because before that i think i viewed the world in quite a binary way and gender is a very sort of set 
way of regulating and, and sort of going through the world. And reading about all this stuff kind of was a real, well, I think it's the things, the issues I had in my own life a lot of the time were related to a belief that I was failing to live up to what it should, what I should be as a man, if you know what I mean. Like I, I think throughout teenage years and young twenties, you know, what a lot of what I disliked about myself was an idea that I was failing to live up to this gender expectation that was you know, put upon me, but I also put upon myself. I just thought that was what you're supposed to be. What was amazing was understand, you know, having all this, this stuff come out, like all this media and suddenly realizing, oh, wait, there's, that's, that's all nonsense. That's all like kind of a socially constructed idea. That's all, that's not something that it should determine how we live our lives. Our biology should not determine our character, you know, all that sort of, you know, it's kind of revelatory and it made a big impact on how I understood myself and I guess the world more broadly. And I think that, yeah, having trans stories out there and all that information was obviously super important to make sure transgender people don't, you know, have a place where they will feel less alone and feel, make, you know, and make sure they know that they, they're loved and cared for and supported by other people. But also just for cisgendered people, I think it's really important because you you can reframe your own understanding of, of how gender's negatively impacted your life and sort of been a, an, an inhibitor of your ability to be sort of your authentic self. So yeah, I think that with all that going through my head, I thought, right, I want to be a part, I want to contribute something towards this. I want to make sure that I sort of build up on the fact that we're sort of building a better world where gender identity is not such a simplistic thing as it has been in the past and we all benefit from a bigger a more a, a broader range of options of how we interpret that and, and how we live authentically I guess and um so yeah so that, that that was where the sort of trans element came into the story I suppose and um all those elements came together with a bit from Madagascar and my my sibling relationship and then my sort of desire to I don't know get beyond the sort of gender sort of binaries that held me back my whole life and to uh, try and be supportive of trans people who were you know, offering quite a lot basically to the world, I thought. And yeah, I wanted to be part of boosting that. My observation about this, you know, in, in, in reaction to what you're saying is that all that came through in the film. What was interesting to me is that you really did show these rigid adult points of view, the prison that these other bullying men were trapped in. Mm. And, and the fact that you have one character who started to express themselves more and more freely and it frightened a lot of people. Yeah. But ultimately, it winds up having a positive effect on everyone around them. Yeah, yeah. I think that's that's very much the idea. I think, you know, Kuda, Kuda benefits from Kai being themselves, you know, from Kai sort of embracing their non-binary identity. You know, Kuda, yeah, it enriches his experience of life. You know, the fact that he then can paint his nails. And I mean, I, you know, I, I, you know the fact that he can sort of he's going to benefit from having that influence in his life like obviously because kai is a loving brilliant human who is there for kuda no matter what but also i think he gives kuda an opportunity to yeah i don't know explore and express himself in a in a better way i don't know yeah it's i think that's the idea is that he is that kai is kind of a when he gets the chance to be he's a positive light and energy that sort of yeah is passed on to others well that's the thing when you get a chance to be i think that that that's really came through to me that the, you know society's got to adjust to let people be who what they are yeah and that's dial it back a little bit perhaps to to give people room to be themselves yeah yeah absolutely your dialogue was so natural oh. you know how did you achieve that i mean i felt like it was just so real and so authentic <laughs> thanks yeah the I mean, considerations were, were going through your head when you were writing 
there was a real mix actually. So we did. So there's a range of techniques. So I think for the core dialogue that, that kind of pushed the story forwards, right? That was obviously scripted, but then it was all allowed to adapt via the actors who would test it out, try it out, see what worked for them, see what sounded natural, you know, change it accordingly. You know, we we, we did a lot of. They had a lot of input themselves. There was a lot of like improvisation in rehearsals. We, we only had short rehearsals, but they were really important. The actors, yeah, put a lot of their own stuff into it where they're like, nah, this doesn't sound right. I'm going to say this and that works better. And, you know, so there's a lot of that. But then also there was a lot of completely improvised stuff. So with, with Kai and Kuda in particular, there was a lot of, you know, a lot of, there's a lot of background chat with them throughout the film. And uh, that was just me giving them subject matters and saying, right, talk about this. And they just go off on one and, you know, you just record tons of them talking rubbish and then like find these moments <laughs> of like, you know, that were really like funny or authentic or real and, you know, bring them out and put them, put them in the film. And uh, yeah. Yeah. So it was a real mix, like a lot of fair bit of improvisation with like a core structure at its heart of how the dialogue should, should progress. I just think it's really important to let actors make it feel natural. You know, I think obviously some people are such beautiful, perfect writers and you work that, that everything has to be meticulously exactly word for word. And maybe if you've got actors who are super well trained and you can really, you know, bring meaning to every word that's that that works but when you're working with people who are kind of new actors or non-actors you kind of have to let them take it and make it feel real and natural to who to who they are I suppose because they you know I think all the characterization was there in the scripts but really it was just uh, starting points the actors then take you know those that sort of those basic ideas and they, they are the they bring the characterization to the film they, they're the ones who bring the characters to life you know and then I have to respond as a writer director to allow them to, to, to allow those characters to blossom, you know, rather than having a prescriptive, this is who the character is. It's like, no, the actor <laughs> decides who the character is. <laughs> yeah, that's that's how it works for me, at least. And speaking of actors, how did you find this cast? How did I find them? So we had a brilliant casting director. I mean, really, that's that's the, the bottom line. I also, so a casting director is Sue O'Dell, and she's just an old, you know, she's a person I've worked with, you know, but to be honest, basically, I actually knew her from when I was young, and she cast me and stuff when I was a kid, like in adverts and things. And but I always, you know, we always got on really well, kept that link, and, you know, and then I told her about this idea. She cast my first short film, and I told her about this idea, and she said, oh, I want to do it. And, like, that was it. She was like, I'm doing it. So she, she took it and ran with it, and... Uh, you know, there wasn't a huge casting, you know, call out. We didn't see tons and tons of people because it was really important to cast a trans actor in the in the in the trans role, for example. You know, it's like, because we don't have much budget, we don't have much casting budget. It's not like we can put these things out and get tons and tons of people to come. It was actually quite hard to 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 do that. But you know, fortunately, she has she she found a way. She found the people, and you know, when when Cameron came along, he was just fantastic. And I say he because Cameron, the actor, is trans, identifying as he, and whereas the character is. I identifying as they basically but just to clear that up sorry professor the actor is he yes yeah so Cameron was just just fantastic and just had this sort of quality which I'd never seen I think in terms of I don't know in, in terms of like trans representation on film it was he, he just had a quality which was really soft and gentle and I don't know I, I just thought yeah I, I just had such a character and, and warmth and depth and and then similarly with with kuda who aiden broderick the little little guy who plays him when he walked in there was no question you know we've seen we'd only seen about you know not not a huge number of of, of active young child actors for the role and when he came in he just he took the direction he went okay yeah 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 really serious really dedicated so determined to get it right and then just blew me away by completely transporting himself to the place i'd sort of 
told him to go to in his head, you know, and just suddenly he was there and it was real. And we were, you know, he, he was at sea. He was calling out to his brother saying, come back, come back. You know, we were in this like audition room. And I was like, oh my God, you're breaking my heart. And, uh, you know. He did. He broke, he broke my heart and put it back together again several <laughs> yeah. times in this film. Truly, yeah. truly. Yeah, just got such an amazing. His final film. scene. Yeah. The final scene, the final scene with his face is just yeah, I, I don't know. I don't know what he does with this face. It just like has a it has a mind of its own. It's just like you know, going all over the place, and suddenly you get these amazing, it's yeah, unbelievable this moments. Guy. Yeah, unbelievable. I hope he never loses that quality. <laughs> Me too. And you know, I also thought you know the mother's arc was really quite complex. You know, and and you gave her a very full life in in this short period of time. Yeah, she had a lot to work through, and she got to some interesting and beautiful places. Thanks. Yeah, that's. I think that's really important as well. You know, I think in the early drafts of the scripts, she was a bit more of a background character. In fact, in the very first drafts, you never saw any adult faces in the film. You only ever saw sort of like things mm. from Cooper's point of view. You know, then as we went through, she became more of a character and more of a thing. And as I got people to read the scripts and give feedback, people were saying, actually, I'm really interested in her and I don't think you should brush over her character's experience and her arc. I don't think it, you know, they, they wanted to see more of it. And thanks to great contributors in the script developments yeah she sort of her character and her arc really came to life and really really came out i have to say shout out to your casting director because Thanks. oftentimes people under people underestimate the ability of a casting director and what they do yeah and how they bring you know like you said you didn't have a large casting but this is someone who saw your themes saw your vision went into her mind found the right people and you didn't need to see hundreds of them she knew that somewhere in this mix we're going to be the the right people. Absolutely. And I've seen that happen before too, where someone will say, oh, you know, you describe something to them, you give them a script, they send you ideas, you're like, holy shit, this is exactly what I'm looking for. Yeah, yeah. And maybe better. Because I can also find things in your story that the right person could bring out, as you're saying. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, casting directors are always really undervalued. You know, I think BAFTA for the first time this year are going to recognize casting directors or something with, with their own category. And that's crazy. How can you have gone this long without recognizing them as like a core component of your crew? Like, I think Oscars, you know, and, and BAFTAs are absolutely well overdue. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, there's such a, you know, pro absolute priority because, you know, if you don't get the cast, you don't have the film, you know, they're everything. So, yeah, no, I'm, I'm full credit to her. She's fantastic. And she, you know, and she won, she won an award here for it. She won Casting Directors Association Award for Best Short Film. So she got the recognition and I was very happy about that. Yeah. Excellent, excellent, excellent. Now, Let's talk about some of the technical aspects because you've got sure. a lot of underwater, you know, yeah. speaking of water, <laughs> you've got a lot of underwater sequences. What were some of the challenges and uh, unexpected rewards that in that in that particular aspect? It was interesting. It was a good journey. I mean, look, I'd love to say again that we were this super prepared crew, super experienced, knew exactly what we were doing. But, you know, I, the, the truth is we all kind of were relatively inexperienced and therefore took chances with things and took risks. And and at times it, we suffered because of it, but other times it really paid off because, we, you know, we got a better result. So, I mean, originally we planned to film everything in the sea. We didn't plan to film anything underwater in a tank or anything. But, so we got to the, to the beach and we were filming in the sea and, you know, these wild waves and it was October, it was freezing. It was, you know, really, you know, it's hard work and, you know, having like children in the sea, there was all these health and safety-ish scares and, you know, right. <laughs> it was, I mean, it was totally safe. Wonderful actors, let's just freeze them to death. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Luckily, Aiden is hard as nails. He was just like, no, no, I can do it. I can do it. I can learn to surf. I can, you know, brave the cold. It was brilliant. So, you know, that was a lot of fun. We actually loved the beach shoot. It was really exciting. Like, yeah, everyone had a lot of fun there. The trouble was, so we had this mermaid, like, in costume, on set, you know, with, with her big rubber tail, all prepared, all, you know, set up. And we took her into the water. She was carried by these two lifeguards. And the tide was out, so the beach was like 
literally about a mile long, like from our base to the thing. So she was carried all the way to the into the water, like a mile oh beach, God. and put into the sea. And then we tried to film underwater, couldn't see a thing. The water was completely cloudy, full of sand or whatever. And yeah, so she was there splashing around and we were looking at each other like, uh-oh. Uh oh, this isn't working. Crap! What are we gonna do? <laughs> yeah. Oh my goodness. So, so yeah. So that, that so that that didn't work as planned, and it was definitely for the best because then we're like, right, have to get a tank, have to film it. So you found your way to a tank. Exactly. So luckily, yeah. we you know we again super low budget, so we searched around for hundreds of places. Like, okay, where can we afford? And most tanks are a fortune, but we happened to find this one place which was like a diving pool where they train scuba divers. So it's really deep, and you know we got a big black rubber backdrop, so it has this infinity look to it. And yeah, and then. Again, again got another stunt mermaid and yeah jim rtp so amazingly actually the the underwater stuff is shot on an fs7 a sony whereas the rest of the film is shot on an alexa mini so that's you know quite a sort of superior camera but the underwater stuff works brilliantly on the fs7 i mean you know we, we did that just because it was a lot cheaper for the underwater housing basically but yeah jim peterson our dop he basically he, he just knew what to do again not, without having had a lot of experience i don't think he'd filmed anything underwater before but he just knew what to do and he just got this you know big light you know chained it off a few other lights there there and then dived under I couldn't see anything on the monitor. The monitor wasn't working. So I was like, okay, Jim, I'm trusting you. He's like, yeah, mate, it's good, it's good. You know, then <laughs> it's great. So so I was diving under, trying to see what was going on. Didn't really know. But then we, so we just filmed a load of stuff underwater. We filmed a load of CUDA with all these different expressions. We filmed a load of mermaid action doing all these different things, a load of Kai coming to rescue him or, or you know, loads of stuff. We thought, okay, so it's hard to stitch this together perfectly in advance. Let's just film loads look at it in the edit and we'll have options. And that was that was in the end our best decision because then when it came to the edit, I could totally rework not only the sequences, but the story. We suddenly had all this underwater footage where we could allow a story to occur underwater. And yeah, the ending was kind of wasn't actually scripted as it as it is in the film now. We that that was in the edit. I was like, okay, we could actually do this. Cool, this works. Yeah. So it was it was it to be honest, when we were actually underwater, it wasn't that hard. It was probably one of the easiest bits because you just had you just had less control. So you just had to let it be what it was. And you know, that was kind of a relief and works. So, you know, um <laughs> we were really lucky. But, um yeah, I think you've got talented people around you. Like it's gonna it's gonna work well right like you know they're, they're gonna do a good job but it all work together i mean because you know, water is such a prevalent theme yeah. in the film and so all these things tie together and then the underwater stuff is so dreamlike yeah and it meshes in with with this as we keep saying this young this young person's point of view it all it all makes so much sense to me so finally you know my question is for the same as i ask everybody what is what's next for you What's next? Well, so at the moment, I'm working on a couple of short ideas. Well, actually, no, I'm working on two sort of substantial shorts and then a bunch of like very short shorts. Basically, uh, what I want to do is, is just direct more, like direct more now fast. Like I just want to get practicing, basically. I want to keep producing and making stuff happen. So I've got a few new shorts in the pipeline. That's my big thing. Or rather, that's my immediate thing. In the slightly longer term, I actually do have a version of Mermaid for a, for, for a feature. It's a very different version to the short. It's not really focused around Kai as much, but it's more about the sort of magical realism stuff by the seaside in England with a sort of pan's labyrinthy twist on sort of, you know, classic sort of British sort of social realism, I suppose. So yeah, that's that's what's next is trying to get that written, I suppose. Yeah, that and, and directing a few more shorts. That's what's on my immediate plate. Great things ahead for you. This is a, a stunning achievement and I, I have to say it's been a pleasure talking to you. Oh, thank you so much, Stephen. It's been a real, real pleasure talking to you. Yeah, I'm really, really great, grateful to take part and to be part of Holly Shorts. Just fantastic. Like, so happy. Yes, yes. 
yes, yes, yes. Well, Welcome to Holly Shorts. Yeah. <laughs> it's a great festival. It really is. <laughs>